And today we're going to talk about the needs of the men. Look what the Bible says. Uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 3. He said, a man should fulfill his duty as a husband. And a woman should fulfill her duty as a wife. And each should satisfy the other's needs. You can't do that if you don't know what they are. You can't do that. So we're talking about the five basic needs of your mate, and today we're going to talk about the needs of your husband. If I had a different title for this sermon, it would be called How to Make Sure Your Husband Never Wants Another Woman. All right? So it's important to write this down. We are taking this sermon series from a book by Dr. Willard Harley called His Needs, Her Needs, sold out of those last week. Early service people always get the dibs on the books first. You didn't leave any for the second service crowd. So uh, they're in the bookstore, and uh, you can pick those up today. We got some more of those. Uh, what usually happens in a marriage, here's what usually happens, is that men and women, knowing their own personal deepest needs, figure that their mate has the same needs. So they enthusiastically go about trying to meet the deepest needs one thinks the other has. You know what this causes? Frustration, conflict, confusion. The problem in marriages who don't understand each other's needs is not so much about um, the idea of, of uh, um, being selfish, but more about ignorance, not knowing. I didn't know he had those needs. I had a lot of guys say to me this week, Pastor, I didn't know. Thank you so much for that message because I didn't know that those were her deepest needs. Dr. Harley says the best way to get rid of incompatibility in a marriage is to get down to the full-time business of discovering and meeting the needs of your spouse. In order to do that, you must be teachable. You have to be teachable. You can't use excuses like, well, that's how my daddy was. Well, that's how I was brought up. I was brought up like that. and you're not, Well, get over it. Stop it. Don't leave the same model for your son that was left for you. Don't leave the same model for your daughter that was left for you. Break the cycle. And be a biblical dad, be a biblical husband, be a biblical mom, a biblical wife, and break that cycle. You got to be teachable. You got to be willing to learn new habits. And then over time, you will begin to meet the needs of your mate, and your home will be much happier. So, what are the five basic needs of a man? You know what number one is? <laughs> Sexual food. <laughs> yeah, food. <laughs> yep, that's right up there, buddy. You ain't lying. Matter of fact, when you get my age, it's either one's fine. It <laughs> but back in my younger days, it was this. <laughs> Sexual fulfillment. Now, I put on Facebook that today's sermon's going to be rated R. You said, man, I thought last week was rated R. Uh, so if you, go, if you see people running out with their children screaming, you'll know why. We often hear women say, you know, before we got married, he was so romantic. 
He brought me flowers. He sent me cards. He talked so sweet to me and so nice. He showered me with affection. It was wonderful. But I tell you what, after we got married, he turned into this big blob of lust. And now he's always after me all the time. I've heard that. The typical wife does not understand her husband's God-given need for sex any more than a husband fully understands a woman's God-given need for affection. You know, the guy's like, really? Hold hands again. So you want to hold hands again? Our hands are sweaty. So let's don't hold hands right now. You know, guys don't get it. We don't get it. And, and the wife is like, really, again? Really? We did it last month? Really? So we don't get it. We don't understand the woman's need for affection. She doesn't understand our need for the sexual relationship. This lack of understanding creates conflict. Your husband is not pawing at you and grabbing at you because he turned into a big blob of lust. He's reaching out to you in that way because God put that in him. Listen, ladies, this will help you get it. To a man, the sexual relationship is affection. Unlike you, the sexual relationship for a man is like affection is to you. Your husband has a legitimate need, and God put it in him, and he's got a case of the can't help it's. Just like I talked about you ladies having the case of the can't help it's with the affection thing, that's how the man is with the sexual relationship. It will do wonders for your marriage, ladies, if you can begin to grasp how deep-seated that need is in him and how badly he needs you to satisfy it. Most of the needs of a man that a man has, he can meet legitimately outside the marriage. In other words, if he needs a hunting partner and his wife isn't a hunter, we got some women in this church who are hunters. But we got some uh, guys, you know, who they want to go hunting and their wife's like, I don't care anything about hunting. So he can find a hunting partner. He's got that need met. We're going to discover later that men have a deep need for uh, admiration. So if you don't do that, you don't know how to do that, and you're not meeting that need in his life, sometimes he can find that at work uh, in his accomplishments, or maybe he's really good at a sport, or maybe he's a good hunter or whatever, and people affirm him and admire him for his achievements. So he can find that legitimately outside the marriage. But this is a need, ladies, that only you can meet. Only you can meet this need in him. When the two of you married, he made a commitment to look to you only for this need to be met. He, was, he has willingly restricted himself to you in this area. So when it comes to having his need met for sexual fulfillment, um, and he's, he has put that full trust in his wife, I run into a lot of guys that feel cheated. They feel really cheated in this area. A man often feels that uh, he's put his trust into this woman. He was expecting her to feel as strongly about the sexual relationship as he does, and then he discovers that she seems to have little interest or no interest often. And he feels that he's been left with a very legitimate, God-given, unfulfilled need. And he can't go somewhere else and have that met if he's going to be a man of character. And after enough time passes, men 
and even Christian men find themselves deeply frustrated as they try to figure out how they can live like this for the rest of their lives. He considers himself an honorable man. He's made a commitment. He's vowed before God to be faithful to you. And so he's going to be faithful. He might be miserable, but he's going to be faithful. And sadly, as you know, this is no big news. Some men, even Christian men, even men in the ministry, have been known to turn in the wrong direction and have an affair. Ladies, there's no reason to put that kind of stress and pressure on your husband when his needs are legitimate and God-given. And we often make fun of men. We often poke fun at men about this. But I'm telling you very seriously today that God put that in them. And I want you to just, if this is an area of stress in your marriage and this is an area of problems and, and um, you know, ladies, you're, you're sitting here thinking, well, he never shows any affection, but he always wants to have that relationship, then you've got to talk about this. You've got to have some communication about this. And if you can't do it, just the two of you sitting down talking, you need a third person involved, the church is here to help you. We'll help you with that. We'll have conversations about that. Let's look in the Bible, what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. We're back in 1 Corinthians again. And Paul's writing a letter to this church, and he says, I want you guys to understand, I want you ladies to understand, and you men, that the wife, and look, when I read this today, this is not, this doesn't fit in culture. This doesn't fit in our culture. Our culture says, you know, you, you stand up for your rights, rebel, but what we're going to read today uh, is not women's lib stuff. What we're going to read today is what God said. And so if you hear something up here and you go, well, that's not what Oprah said, or that's not what they said on the Today Show, or that's not what they said on CBS This Morning. They had an expert on there, and they said, well, I'm just telling you what God said. Anybody interested in what God said about this? The wife has no longer full rights over her body. She shares them with her husband in the same way the husband's body doesn't belong to him alone anymore either since they got married, but also to his wife. Look at the next slide. Do not cheat each other of normal sexual intercourse unless you both decide to abstain temporarily to make special time for prayer. Now, ladies, you got to quit going, I'm praying tonight. I'm praying. Because <laughs> we, we, you know, we know that you don't pray that much. We know you don't. So, <laughs> so you know, I mean, he looks over there and reaches, and he looks, and you're going, oh, I don't know. <laughs> but afterwards, after you've had that time of fasting, and a lot of times, and, and this really is a whole nother lesson, but when we do fast, we do without things we really, really love. And when you think about fasting, uh, you think mostly about food, but you can fast that relationship for a while just so you can focus on God. He says, but when that's over, when that time is past, and I don't want to hear any ladies coming up, I'm on a 365-day fast, 
And after this year, we'll talk. That don't work. But afterwards, you should resume relations as before, or you will. Here's what will happen. If you don't do that, if you don't meet that need in him, you expose yourselves, not just the men, but the women, you expose yourselves to the obvious temptations of Satan. This is in your Bible. So if your husband is not getting his legitimate sexual fulfillment in you, the Bible says you are creating an atmosphere where he becomes exposed to the wiles and temptations of Satan. So this is a difficult truth. A lot of people don't want to hear it. I'll run into a lot of ladies who don't want to hear it. But we can't argue with what God has clearly stated. Let me just tell you ladies something to help you. For a man, sex can fix just about everything. It's a cure-all. It makes his world right. Okay, I'm telling you. A loving encounter with you, a, a, a healthy, consistent, loving encounter with you ladies on a regular basis can make up for all the negatives in his life and all the challenges of his life, all the challenges men face. So don't make him feel guilty for the way he is. You don't have to always, it's not always yes, but don't make him feel guilty. Don't make him feel like a beggar. Ask God to teach you and to help you. And listen, if you struggle, and we're going to talk about some things in a couple minutes, if you struggle in this area, you got to pray and ask God to help you. God wants this to be something that is an enjoyment for you. He wants it to be something that's a pleasure for you. Hey, listen, God, God thought of sex. It's God's idea. A lot of us think the devil thought of it. The devil didn't think of it. He just perverted it. It's God's idea. What an awesome idea. Amen. Come on. Amen. I mean, God was having a good day that day, wasn't he, when he thought of that? Look what it says in Proverbs 5, 15, 18, and 19. It says, men, be faithful and true to your wife. Let your manhood be a blessing. Rejoice in your wife. Let her charms and breasts satisfy you. Let her, I knew you were going to giggle when I said that. And like, let me just say, ladies, they do, okay? So, <laughs> hey, I I'm old, but I ain't dead. That's bad English, but good preaching. Let her love fill you with delight. So another translation says, may you be captivated, may he, your husband, be captivated by your wife's love. How can a woman obey, how can a man even obey that passage if, if there's a struggle in that area or the woman is just not interested in that area? How can he even obey the scripture? So, so we prevent them from obeying. Now let's talk about some special cases. Some women and some guys, this is why guys uh, 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 aren't very good in this area. They don't know how to show affection that is connected to the sexual relationship because they were brought up in a home where it was either never talked about, sex was never talked about, or it was always talked about in a negative way. Uh, for guys, they often grew up with dads and brothers and family members 
who were always joking and, and making it something uh, nasty and making it something ungodly. And so a guy grows up with that kind of processing in his mind. So, so having that relationship with his wife is not a very loving thing. It's not a tender thing in his life. It is, it is just a, it's what a man wants and what he deserves. And, you know, and he, he's just really harsh about it. And then sometimes a woman is brought up in a home, especially old school, uh, where it's never either the mom never talked to her about it, never had a conversation with her about it, or it was always in the context of being nasty. It was always in the context of being a bad thing, a nasty thing, or she was taught, this is your duty. Your duty is to do this. Almost uh, saying to her, there's no enjoyment for you, and it's just something you do. It's your responsibility, or, or, or I don't want to talk about that. You'll figure that out. And, and so a lot of times we go into a marriage uh, it's better today than it used to be because there's a lot of books out there and there's counseling and there's a lot of things you can do now to get preparation before you go into a marriage. But back when I got married, Millie and I got married uh, back in 1977, I got to tell you something, man. Um, there was just nothing. There was just nothing out there. A couple of books, a couple of little books about it, and, and they were very... Um, um, I don't know what the word is, very formal, written very formally. There was no, there was no um, uh, humor. There was no, uh, uh, the way the book was written, it was like a textbook. And so it, it just really didn't help that much. So there was no teaching about it. There was no books about it, but it's not like that today. There's so much good information out there. I'm telling you, listen to me. If you are suffering in your sexual relationship as a couple, get some information. Get some information. Scott and Sherry are our marriage and family life pastors here at the bridge. They have tons of material, free material, that they will connect you with. Uh, there are tons of books. We've got books in the bookstore about this, but there's help out there. Don't, you don't have to live this way. Most of the time, in a situation like that, the woman is up for learning. She's up for, hey, let's get some help. Let's don't live like this. But a lot of times the men, because of their pride, they won't, they say, no, I'm not talking to anybody about that. I'm not, I'm not reading a book about that. That's stupid. I, I'm telling you, man, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. You guys need to drop that macho thing and you need to learn how to love your wife. You need to learn how to treat your wife. You wives need to do the same thing. Another special case is that um, in a lot of cases, and not just women, but men too, in the childhood there was abuse. And that's a deep, deep wound. That's a deep wound for anybody. We all have our wounds, and we all have the stuff we encountered as we were growing up, but um, you need to talk to each other about this. Have you told your husband that you were abused? Have you told your wife? You say, I can't talk about something like that. So if you feel trapped and you feel scared to talk to your husband or you feel scared to talk to your wife, then call the church, ask for Sherry, ask for Scott, and just say, I need to come in and talk to somebody because I don't know what to do. And I don't know where to go with this. And I love my husband. 
And I know if I tell him this, it's going to destroy him. So I've got to talk to somebody. I've got to get this thing dealt with in my life so I can be open to him and loving to him. And a man may come in and boy, you talk about something hard to talk about. For a man to talk about if he was abused as a child and for him to bring that up. And some of you guys were. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. You were totally innocent in that situation, but it can mess you up when it comes to intimacy. It can mess you up when it comes to loving your spouse, even loving your own children. There's a cap on it. There's a lid on your love. And that's what that kind of abuse does. So we're here to help you. And I don't know if, I, if our staff would be equipped to handle every situation, but I'll tell you what we will do. We'll find somebody who's equipped. And we'll connect you with that person and we'll get you some help. We don't want you living like that and God doesn't want you living like that. So husbands and wives, um, you gotta be very patient with one another when this comes out and when it's discovered. You gotta be very loving and kind and tender and pray again, guys, it's a spiritual thing. Pray that God will heal you and help you and heal that emotional wound. There's help. God heals the broken places. God heals the messed up thinking and the distorted ideas. God heals the thought where you say, I can't, I can't do this. I just can't handle this. Yes, you can. He can help you handle it. When we surrender our wounds to God, he heals. He heals them. Got women in this church who are living proof that God can take a terrible, horrible, painful scary part of their life and change it and allow him to change it and make it something that's a delight, something, bring them to a place where they can enjoy their husband and where men can enjoy their wives. So that's the end of that first point. So I want you to just do an evaluation, ladies. Am I meeting my husband's needs? You know what the best way to find that out is talk to him about it. Just say to him, I want to do that. And we don't ever talk about that. We don't ever bring that up. One of the reasons you don't ever talk to your husband or your wife about it is because you were just kind of brought up like that. Nobody talked about that. So you got to say, you know, baby, I, I want to know, are you happy? Are you happy in that area? Are you satisfied with that? What can, what can I do? What can we do to make that better? And when you begin to talk like that, you know what? You might run into some... <clears throat> Brick walls where you don't really know what to do, but that's when you're going to start reading those books. And that's when you're going to get that counseling if you need it. And that's when you're going to have breakthrough in that area. And the rest of your marriage can be the best of your marriage if you'll rise up and deal with those issues. Okay? So, ladies, we talked about your needs last week. We're talking about the men this week. Sexual fulfillment. I got to tell you, girls, he can't help it. He can't help it. So just love him. Uh, with that need. Just like you guys go, I don't need all that affection. Doesn't matter what you need, sir. She needs it. And God put you in her life to meet that need. Amen? Millie was so sweet yesterday. We were, I was sitting on the couch and she was laying down at the other end. She put my, her foot and she has a heel spur and so painful. And she put her foot in my lap. And she said, just rub that for 15 minutes. I said, oh, wow, thank you so much. I was like, 15 minutes? Whew. So, and I did. I, I am good at that. I am really, really good at that. Uh, sometimes I get Roman hands and Russian fingers. But, you know, I'm, I try to stay down there, you know, on that foot. Y'all ain't need to remember that about your pastor. He's old. He ain't dead. 
Everything's all right at the parsonage, let me just tell you. Because, you know, when we don't feel like doing that, we just go to Krispy Kreme. I've told you all that before. Right after a big old box of donuts, we both look at each other and go, is that good for you? How about you? Yes. I'm here for you, baby. Oh, I'm here for you, too. All right, number two. Your husband needs recreational companionship. I got to tell you, for me personally, this is me, recreational's not necessary. I don't uh, expect Millie to... You know, some guys, their wives hunt with them or ride four-wheelers with them. And I see this on Facebook. I think it's the coolest thing in the world. I look at Jeannie and Wilbur, and they're always riding their horses together. That's cool, man. That's great. I took Millie with me to play golf, you know, and I said, well, baby, just watch me play. And that day, I was knocking it, man, hitting it straight and far, and uh, she didn't know that was good. And so when we left, I was hurt. I was hurt after that. So I explained to her how awesome I was that day. And she went, oh, okay, great. So, so we don't do recreationally a lot of things together, Millie and I, but we do a lot of things together. We do a lot of things together. We, we like to uh, go to a bookstore. One of the things we both love to do is to go to like a Barnes & Noble or a bookstore like that, get some coffee, and just sit down there and read books for free. <laughs> Matter of fact, uh, when we lived near a Barnes & Noble, we kept book, a little bookmarker in the book, and we just go back and get it every time. So, don't tell Barnes & Noble that, though. Uh, I think those guys would get bad. I don't know who Barnes & Noble are, but I don't think they'd like that. Ecclesiastes 9 and 9, look what it says. Live how? Happily with the woman you love through the fleeting days of life. It means don't be miserable in your marriage because life isn't that long. Life's too short. That's what you ought to say today. If you're in a marriage and you love her and she loves you, but you're both, you know, you're just, you don't get each other. You don't understand each other. She says you're not affectionate. You say, well, you're not meeting my sexual needs. Hey, life's too short, man. Life's too short, woman, to live like that. He says it right there. He live happily in your marriage because the days are what? Fleeting. They're just going by so fast. Don't endure your marriage. Get some help. Get some help. And, and he says, uh, for the wife, talking to the man here, for the wife God gives you, come on, ladies, guys, this is amen area right here. For the wife your God, God gives you is your best reward down here. How about that, girls? How about that? Y'all the best thing we got down here. So get busy. Your best reward down here for all your earthly toil. Look at that word to the men right there. Man, don't live happily because the time is passing by quickly and you, the, that woman you married can be the greatest thing in your life. But sometimes, guys, we don't know what we're doing. Again, I'll bring up what I brought up last week. We have to go through way, way more training to get our driver's license. Matter of fact, you don't have to go through any training to get married. If you've got the money, they'll give you the certificate. They'll give you the license. It's just crazy. 
So learn how to be a good wife. Learn how to be a good husband. Learn how to do that. Before marriage, you spent 10, 15 hours with the guy you loved and, and uh, you did all these things with him because uh, um, uh, things you would have never done, you know, things you would have never chosen. He, he got you to do some things with him and, and you enjoyed those activities. And, 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 and uh, then when you got married, you know, you wanted to be with him before marriage. You wanted to spend time with him. But then when we get married, it's kind of like a lot of times the woman goes her way and the man goes his way after marriage. And there's no activity. There's no uh, being together. Dr. Harley says uh, most men and women have different interests, but there are ways around that. The goal of marriage is to become a best friend to your spouse. And I got to tell you something, man. Millie's my best friend. She's my best friend. Um, I don't know how y'all are, but, you know, being with a person for a long period of time and feeling fulfilled in that, there just ain't that many people in my life like that. But my wife's one of them. I mean, I can just be with her and love being with her. Uh, you cannot build a deep friendship without spending time together, and you can't maintain a good friendship without spending time together. You can't start it. You can't maintain it. You've got to be together. As you're dating and engaged, uh, you, as you were dating and engaged, you built that relationship with your husband by spending time with him. And to maintain and grow this friendship, you've got to keep doing that. Plan recreational time together. We talked about scheduling last week. As you're setting your calendar and putting appointments in your calendar, and what, put each other in the calendar. Put time for each other in the calendar. And then when people ask you, can you, I need you to, you go, man, I, I got a meeting. I can't do it. And your meeting's with your wife. Your meeting's with your husband. I'm telling you, if you don't do that, people will take all your time. You will never have any time for each other. So you've got to plan it, plan recreational time. And uh, you guys who um, talk about, man, I tell you, I work hard. I haven't been on vacation in five years. Shame on you. Shame on you. Don't be bragging about that. Don't, that's nothing to brag about. Shame on you for not being, taking your family on a vacation. And sometimes you need to get somebody to take care of the kids, and you and your wife just need to go away for a few days. Plan it. You say, oh, we don't have any money. Go to the cliffs of the news. Pitch a tent. Come on. There's a way to be with somebody. There's a way to spend some time alone uh, with your wife. The, the, um, the prices, for instance, at the beach right now are cheap as dirt. You can go down there, the beach. You can eat. You can um, have a great time shopping, whatever. Let her shop. Just be with her. Just be together. Develop that friendship. Look what Colossians says in Colossians 3.18. Now, boy, you talk about not being politically correct. Wives are to adapt yourselves to your husband. That is your Christian duty. Got a lot of amens right there from the women, didn't I? <laughs> but you know what? And that's talking about ladies there, but it's in there for the men too. Hey, it's not all about you. It's not about you. When you make it about her and she makes it about you, when you treat her like a queen and she treats you like a king, everybody's happy because everybody's getting what they need. Let's go to the third one. Your husband needs, you're going to love this one, an attractive spouse. How many of you know 
that it's inevitable. When we get older, things change. Isn't that true? We gain weight. We dress less attractively. We get some wrinkles. We lose our hair. I've done everything I can with this right here to make it look like I got hair. There's ain't no way. There's just no way. I, I tried the Donald Trump uh, deal, and man, that was sad right there. So, you know, I tried to do my part from way over here beside my ear. You seen that guy? You seen that guy he jumps in the pool and he's a hippie on this side and he's a. You seen that guy? I've tried that. I can't do it. There's no way. It just don't work. So Dr. Harley says that men need, though, an attractive spouse. And here's what he's saying, ladies, before you get too offended. He's saying, here's what I, here's what I mean by that. A wife should do all she can to look like the woman he fell in love with. That's what that means. So two reasons men need an attractive wife. And again, they can't help it, ladies. They can't help it. You can get mad all you want to. God put it in them. God put it in them. Here, here's one reason. Number one, if you don't look good, he ain't going to look that much. He ain't going to look at you that much. And, and when, you, when you work on it, remember that men are visual. Men are visual. Um, and I know this is a, um, maybe a strange illustration, but when it comes to pornography, there's little to no market for women, but there's a huge market for men. And the reason for that is because men don't know God or they're not where they ought to be with God and they're very visual oriented. Women are more about the inner part. They're more about the inner qualities of a man. Now, I'm not saying women don't, women don't want their man to look good. They do. They want their man to look good, but not like men do. Um, I know stories, you know stories, where women married the best looking guy and the marriage was a disaster. And when the, when the marriage broke up, the woman then married somebody who really, really loved her, who didn't look like a model like the first guy she married, because the need she had was for somebody to love her and somebody to be kind to her and be affectionate to her and the needs we talked about last week. So women, though it is important for the man uh, to have, um, uh, to look good outwardly, she's more concerned about the inequalities. And with a man... He is concerned about the inequalities of a woman too, but his emphasis is more than the woman is on how she looks on the outside. So be as physically attractive as you can, ladies, because that's just how God made us fellas. Another reason that a man needs his wife to be attractive is, and this may sound strange, but it's a matter of pride. It's a matter of pride. This sounds stupid to most women, but it's very real in men. A man wants to be seen in public with an attractive wife with a woman he's proud of. Wives don't have to be beautiful, but they can always be neat and clean and well-kept. And so the whole thing Dr. Harley says here is just don't let yourself go. For a simple matter of pride, a man needs his wife to be attractive. And if you doubt this, all you gotta do is go to the Song of Solomon and read the Song of Solomon and he just talks over and over and over about the outward beauty of, of the woman in his life, the wife that he has. Five elements of physical attractiveness, and I'm going to go through these quickly. Number one, weight control as much as possible. Number two, makeup. Um, you know, I was brought up in a church, uh, I was talking to somebody about it this morning, where makeup was actually a sin for women to wear makeup. Anybody brought up in a church like that? And uh, now I've come to the conclusion it would be a sin if some of them didn't wear makeup. That, that's my new philosophy that I believe. Because I don't think God wants anybody to look at your wife and go, huh, 
like that. So wear makeup that's attractive to him. Ask him. Ask him, do you like this? Do you like the way I'm dressed? Do you like me in this outfit? And guys, easy, careful on that response. Number three, hairstyle. Uh, wear a hairstyle that appeals to him, that he likes. Number four, clothes that are flattering. Doesn't matter what size you wear, you can find clothes that flatter you. Dress as attractively as you can with the budget you have and with the fashion style you have. Then he's going to want to be with you more and he's going to want to touch you more in an affectionate way, the way we talked about last week. So it's really, really important to him. I don't care, the, care whether he's saying that to you or not, ladies. You say, well, he hasn't said anything. So men don't, we're not verbal about stuff like that. And so, so trust me on this. Another, the fifth thing about attractiveness and how to be attractive is your demeanor. Just the, way you, just the way you act, your personality. How many of y'all have ever met somebody and they were, you know, just average, ordinary looking, um, but the more you were with them and the more they talked and the more you interacted with them, the better looking they got because of their uh, personality, because of their demeanor. Number four, men need domestic support. Um, <coughs> Men, and I know, I know ladies, I know you want to scream when I say this. I'm just telling you how we are. We need a peaceful house. We need a peaceful home. We need a home that's in order. You say, well, why don't you get on it then? <laughs> so, so, so here's the deal about that. So you got to help us because it doesn't come natural to us. And you're probably out there going, it don't come natural to me either. But, but it's really important that the man Come into a home that's in order. Let's look at what the Bible says. Proverbs 17 and 1. Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Okay? Titus 2, 4 through 5. Women are to love their husbands and children, be sober-minded, keep themselves pure. Here it comes. Manage their households well. They are to be gentle, submitting themselves to their husbands. Y'all always love that one. But the, men, the Bible also calls on the man to submit to the wife, doesn't it? So we submit to one another. All this does what? What's the result? It ensures that God's message should not fall in disrepute. So what he's actually saying there is how our home is, and the guy's responsible too. This is just talking to the ladies here, but it also talks to the man about his role in the home. You know what? How your home is either helps your testimony or it hurts your testimony. Scripture has commanded that wives and mothers are to maintain a well-ordered home. And this is the, an example of this is the Proverbs 31 woman. So ladies, if you're writing notes, write Proverbs 31 and go home and read that. Now, Dr. Harley suggests, and, and I strongly agree with this, that the um, responsibilities be equally divided. That when you come home at the end of the day, and I'm gonna tell you something about men, ladies. I'm gonna tell you something about men right here. When they come home, and look, I know you've worked all day too, but I'm going to tell you, if you can give a man about 30 minutes when he gets home to just 
veg out. Do you know what that means? Just, just kind of unwind from the day. And you say, well, I don't get to unwind. I know, I, I understand that. But he's, he's about to kick in here because I'm about to tell him how to kick in in that 30 minutes. But when that 30 minutes is over, then, then approach him, then talk to him about the day, then ask him, tell him things that happened, tell him what's going on with the kids. But give a guy at the end of the day, just give him a little time to, to just chill a little bit. And then guys, you gotta get over it and you gotta rise up and you have to understand because you've communicated with each other, you sir have to understand what's expected of you in the evening when you get home and what's expected of her in the evening when, when she gets home and then both of you fulfill those duties. And if you'll do that, it'll bring order to your house, more order to your house. Now, I'm going to tell you guys something. If you come home and you think you can flop down on the couch and there's going to be peace and quiet and order, it's just not going to happen. They've got to have your help. Well, my daddy didn't do it. Well, you need to do it because you need to be a model to your son. I'm going to tell you something. My dad was a model to me in this. My, my dad and mom worked at DuPont in Kinston. And um, then my dad went into the ministry when he was 29 years old, and I was real little. And we moved to Goldsboro so that my dad could go to Carter College. How many of y'all remember William Carter College up there on Ash Street? My daddy went to that college to train for the ministry. Well, that went to half salary. They went to half salary. They were living on two salaries, both of them working at DuPont. And that was pretty good money back then, you know. And they went to half salary. The church paid my dad $25 a week. And then my dad had to pay for school. And uh, I remember we moved in this old, old house. And mom would get up and go to work. And if you worked at DuPont, you worked shift work. So sometimes mom would be home during the day asleep because she had worked the night before. And I remember my dad making ham and cheese sandwiches, peanut butter and jelly, banana sandwiches, whatever packing them in a bag and taking us to Herman Park because we live right across the street from Herman Park. And we'd all go tra traipsing over there to Herman Park. And, of course, I thought I was in, I mean, we had moved from Beulahville. Anybody know where Beulahville is? To Goldsboro. So I thought I was in Orlando, Florida. I mean, <laughs> a park? What's a park? <laughs> you know. So we went to Herman Park. I thought I was in Disneyland. And my dad would be there with us, and he, I remember him sitting on a bench, and he'd have a book, and he'd be reading his book from college, and me and my brother would be pray, uh, playing. We didn't pray that much, but we played. And I remember my dad would do that because he knew he had to get us out of the house so mom could sleep. And then, at, and then he'd go, okay, let's go home, and we'd go home, and he'd, all the way home, he'd say, now remember now, Mama's asleep, so y'all stay in this part of the house and watch TV or be quiet and let's let Mama sleep. My dad, my dad was always in the kitchen. My dad was always in the kitchen. Not that Mom wasn't. He was just always in there helping her. And my dad vacuumed. My dad dust. My dad was a model to me in that area. And I don't know where he got that or how he learned that, but I grew up like that. And Millie will tell you all through the day, I'll go, do you need, can I do anything for you? Can I help you? I'm hoping it's no. I'm hoping, <laughs> but you got to ask, man. You got to ask and make sure you make yourself available. If you, guys, listen to me. If you want that peaceful home and that home that's in order, she's got to have your help. She's got to have your help. Okay. Number five, last one. Um, your husband needs admiration. 
Let me tell you something about us guys. We are very macho. I'm good, man. I don't need nothing. I don't need Let me tell you something. We're little five-year-old boys on the inside. And when you tell us we did good, we're like, <laughs> that's how we are. Now, we'll never do that on the outside, but on the inside, we're going, <laughs> that's how we're doing. All right? I'm just telling you. I'm telling you, girls, when you tell us we're awesome, when you tell us we're great, when you tell us you're Hey, listen, there's nothing a man loves hearing from his wife more than, I am proud of you. I am proud of you. I appreciate the way you work and provide. I just appreciate the way you step up and you don't wait for me to tell you. I just, I'm telling you, when you admire a man, he will work himself to death for you. I'm telling you. Now, sometimes it's hard to find stuff to admire. You know, you mm, got up this morning. Way to go. You've got to find something. Look what it says in Ephesians 5.33. Man, this is so clear, ladies. This is the word of God. Look, it says, let the wife see that she respect and reverences her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him. You talk about needy. This guy's needy. Honors him, prefers him, esteems him, and that she defers to him. Here it comes. Praises him, loves and what? Admires him how much? Absolutely. We need it. We act like we don't need it, but we need it. We need it. And nothing means as much as it coming from you because we're one flesh. On Sundays, when me and Millie get home, I act like I don't care, but I can't wait to hear her say, man, that was good today. care so much about what she thinks. I care. I tell you, when she tells me I'm proud of you or you look good tonight or anything, man, any compliment just means so much to a guy. Now, ladies, you say, well, he doesn't act like it. Don't even worry about that. Don't even think about that. I'm telling you, if he, hasn't been, if he hasn't been doing his chores, if he hasn't been serving you, if he hasn't been working in the home, start, start admiring him. Start finding something to admire him about. It's a tremendous motivator for a man. Let me give you three ways to admire him. Number one, identify characteristics in him and let him know, oh, I love that when you do that. I love that when you, when you say that. I, I loved it when you helped that person or you know, I loved it when you were sweet to the kids. I loved, oh man, when you were in there reading that story to her. Oh, it just touched my heart. I was so proud of you. You're such an awesome dad. You know what he's going to do when you do that? More of it. He's going to do more of that kind of thing. Because you know why? He loves for you to say that kind of stuff. So say it. Say it. Find a way to express that admiration to him, and he'll do more. Now, when you need him to change something, here's how you get a guy to change something. You admire him first. And here's a good exercise you can go through. Man, it's getting late. i got to quit. Um, write down what he does well and then create a conversation and go, and after you've affirmed him, then go, now here's a couple of things that would really help me if, if you would do better on these things. A man will receive that. Um, men, the same way with your wife. Affirm her, affirm her, affirm her. Then talk to her about some things that, that maybe you would like to have a little different. And then finally, concentrate on habits, not traits. 
If you say to a guy, you don't spend enough time with the children, he don't, he don't know what that means. He's like, I don't, okay, it looks like to me I do. Or I th- Here's what, say, you know what, I wish you were with the children more. I wish you were with the children more. Um, like, if you would go to the PTA meeting with me every other meeting, that would be great. And, you know, if you could read to them two nights a week. See, a guy goes, oh, I know what that means. I, that's tangible. I know what to do. But if you go, you don't spend enough time with the children. <laughs> you go run to the back room. He's like, I, okay. So he'll go in there where the children are and stand beside them. <laughs> he doesn't know. He don't know what that is. Make your expectations clear, Okay. All right, time's gone. Let's all stand together. I could, I could talk a lot more, but let's just all stand.